0: serve a great god and i'm here to tell you this today that he is really alive he really has risen from the dead aren't you thankful for that it's not just a historical uh, message it's a reality and when you come to embrace jesus and you invite him in your heart he begins to open your eyes and he begins to show you his great goodness amen I just want to welcome you this morning. It's, uh, we had a little bit of storm come through, but I'm so glad you all came. And uh, you know, this, this is a day where the Lord wants to bring an impart, impartation. He wants you to leave with something this morning. And I believe not just a message. I believe He wants to plant something inside of your heart. I believe that the, the Lord wants to impart one thing. One thing that comes to my mind right away is the Lord wants to impart some hope. There's people today that are facing some hopelessness. And I just sense in my spirit, the Lord wants to touch you. If you're facing some hopeless situation, he's a, he's a God of hope. He's called the God of living hope, actually. He comes to impart living hope. Maybe you're broken. Maybe you're facing some things in your life that you cannot deal with in your own strength. I want you to know you're in the right place. You're in a safe place. This is called... no shame zone because the blood of jesus has completely brought you he's redeemed you and he's wiped the reproach of your sin away that was what this play was all about even though peter had denied the lord and rejected him because he was trying to serve god out of his own strength isn't it awesome to know that we have a God who still believed in us when we stopped believing in Him. And that's our generation today. We have a generation of young people that don't see the reality of a living God. But we serve a God who is there, He's real, and He's here to manifest Himself to you in a real way. Amen? Amen. Carol, we Carol, um, are the children being dismissed? Our children can be dismissed. Uh, we have a super... You want to make an announcement? they already love okay praise God I want you to take your Bibles this morning and if you could just turn with me to 1st Corinthians chapter 1 1st Corinthians chapter 1 Easter is an interesting time around the world it's amazing there are people that celebrate Easter like I said historically and they celebrate Easter from the standpoint that Jesus died and he suffered and even in different places around the world, there are people right now that are physically crucifying themselves to somehow gain merit with that. But you know what? Jesus died and was buried and rose again, and we do not—we no longer have to celebrate the fact that He died. We now celebrate the fact that He rose from the dead. There are some people that stop just at the cross, And that's all they do is they see Jesus hanging on the cross and they see Him suffering. And yes, He needed to die. He had to die. But the Bible says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness. How many of you know that there is a war today against Christianity? There's There's an onslaught against... It's not an onslaught against Islam. There's no war against other faith but why christianity why is there such a battle against anything that has to do with jesus christ how many of you notice there's a battle there and the reason is it's not a natural battle the bible talks about the kingdom of darkness the god of this world has blinded the eyes of men so that they will not see the light now the apostle paul introduces the preaching of the cross to the Corinthians, This was a Greek church, and for a few minutes this morning, I want to talk to you about the purpose of Easter. And we're going to look at what happened, and we're just going to follow some steps here this morning. And my prayer is that we'll be able to leave with an understanding as well as an impartation. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Everyone say foolishness. Have you ever tried to share Jesus with some people? And the first thing they do is they shrug you off. The Bible says it's foolishness. And the reason why it's foolishness is people cannot comprehend in their mind, first of all, the nature and the gravity of their sin. Sin, first and foremost, is deceptive. When we live in sin it blinds us sin blinds us to our true nature we do not understand the gravity in the nature of sin so the fact that there's some savior 2000 years ago that came and died on a cross and actually shed his blood is is not just only foolishness but for some of us it becomes an offense there's an offense because with the preaching of the cross comes an indictment. It says that we are in sin. We are separated. It means that we are broken. It means that we are fallen. It means that we do not have a place where we are able to relate with the God who created us. And what happens is because of sin and because of the nature and the blindness of sin we continue in a way of life that is self deceiving we are self-deceived and we continue living in a life of deception we not only live in deception but we live in bitterness we live in anger we live in hurt we begin to live in self-justification and as Adam did we begin to move into the blame game and so the preaching of the cross the Apostle said is a message of foolishness to them that are preaching but to who are being saved it is the power of God everyone say power of God in other words God intended that when you get saved you experience power amen not not religion not just some kind of a schedule change but power now that power needs to be defined we need to understand what that power is That power comes to you and me in the form of grace. God's unmerited favor. He comes to give us this grace this morning. His desire and His plan is for you to shine. His desire for you is to live an abundant life. Everyone say abundant. It didn't mean for you to live a life where you're cowards, just kind of living a coward life, just kind of hiding as a Christian. No, He intended for your life to shine like a brilliant, glorious light. He intended for you to exemplify the fullness of who Jesus is. Amen? i got to share something with you this morning that the Lord kind of laid on my heart. this Just within the past two months, I've been going through a study, and I'm going to be starting this study next Sunday on the subject of honor. Because you know, when we begin to preach about the Kingdom of God, it's a a kingdom where we live in an environment of high honor. Because God never intended for His people to live like beggarly slaves. He called you into a place of sonship into a place of kingship. He called you to become kings and priests unto Him. And He calls you, and He puts His Holy Spirit inside of you for you to reflect His glory even in the most darkest and the most impossible places. Now, you know, I've been raised in a Christian home. And I was raised in the church. And uh, there was a day where I used to think, you know, I... I haven't done drugs, I haven't gone out and destroyed my life in some deep, dark sins. In fact, there was a day where Pastor Ray actually prided himself in thinking that he was a good sinner. I really thought that I, I, I'm not a bad sinner, I'm a good sinner. In other words, I'm a, I, I'm a better sinner than most sinners. I'm in the good sinner status. I, I never went around and said that. But I had this kind of, well, you know what, praise God, I was raised in the church. And, you know, I went to church and I heard the gospel. And thank God I had a a family that, you know, taught me and brought me to Sunday school, was raised in the church. and, And I had this arrogance that I was okay. Until in the late 60s, when God began to move in our church in Portland, Oregon. In our church, we were actually praying for the harvest. And we were praying that God would shed His light and show His love on our generation at that time. And we were praying that God would send people into our church. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's amazing when God begins to send people in your church that you do not expect that He could actually save. I mean, and I, I actually didn't know that I was blinded by a religious narrow-mindedness. I was blinded by that. And so I had really received little grace. Jesus said, to him who receives much uh, is much given and much is required, but to him who get, receives little, live it, little is required. But I remember in those days there were people that were coming in and, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget one time we were having our normal worship service and there was some hippie kids that brought a huge brown Labrador dog in the back of the church. And they were just coming in with their flip-flops and tank tops, and they just had this big smile on their face, and they're just so happy. And the dog was in the back barking, roof, roof, you know, and, and, and Dick Iverson and sent ushers back, get that dog out of the church here. This is the house of God, you know, and and we just couldn't believe it. But the interesting thing, God was answering our prayer. He was actually sending the lost and the broken and. People that were unchurched. People that just wouldn't normally fit in what we thought were the, the ideals of, the, of a church. And when people begin to come in, the people that were there had a ta- hard time relating to those that were not used to coming because we had a very narrow understanding of God's grace. and very narrow understanding of what His mercy was all about because we were thinking within that small-minded religious box that we have and it wasn't until years later that the lord really began to show me that i wasn't such a good sinner after all that i was pretty bad i didn't know that i was in the bad sinner category and the lord began to show me that there was arrogance and there was pride and and there was a religious self made spirit i I, I trusted in myself. In fact, a lot of this stuff began to come out when I got married. When I got married to my wife, over 35, by the way, we just celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary a week ago Sunday. And, but in our first year or two of marriage, I, you know, we went through our Easter services and celebrated jesus death burial and resurrection amen thank you lord died on the cross for our sins washed our sins away and we're all new creatures in christ praise god And that was just kind of a mental thing in my head but my faith was not a living faith i put the church hat on sunday and i came to church and i smiled and i shook hands and i wore my suit and tie amen i was a you know i was an upstanding man Uh, not only in the church Uh, I didn't steal I didn't go out break laws I didn't smoke dope I didn't do any of those kind of things I was a a good Christian but little did I realize there was a huge problem with pride in my life and there was this pride and this arrogance of thinking that well I I've grown up in the church and I'm one of God's little special favorite boys amen You know, I haven't haven't been tainted and and, uh, scathed with the the stain of sin. And I begin to see men and women that were broken come in the house of God. These came out of broken families. Many of them had given up on the American dream in those days. The American dream, the, the pie in the sky, the idea of getting a career and finding your house and making lots of money gaining some status that that was the american dream but in that day thought that generation lost its desire for that because they saw that just money and materialism did not really bring lasting peace nor did it really fulfill the desire or the empty void that was in their life and so when these young people begin to come into the church broken as they were out of broken families, some of them were even high on heroin, high on pot. We, we had a church at that time, I'll never forget, there, we had a church where people came in and there was pots. Pot of, the smell of pot was on their clothes. I didn't know what pot smelled like. I thought, wow, somebody's bringing some awesome perfume in the church. That is a sweet smelling stuff. I'm, I didn't know what pot was. So I mean, this it, it came in the back, and these kids, I'm not kidding, they would come and smiling on their face, like, praise God, hallelujah. You know, and they, they kind of had their pot, and they were mixing Jesus with their pots. Okay? Now they hadn't been sanctified through the truth yet. Now, I remember there was uh, some people in our church, good good meaning people they begin to, in a, in, a, in a way, they begin to usher these people out of the church. You, you don't belong here because you haven't cleaned up your act yet. So we don't want you here yet. Now they didn't say it like I just said it, but in so many words, you're not fit to come into this place because you're not clean enough. But aren't you thankful that that's not what the Gospel is? So that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come and tell you to change your life and then he would clean you up. First, he cleans you up so that you can change your life. Grace comes before behavior changes. See, the law was all about letting us know how bad we are, how broken we are, how separated we are. And the one thing that I began to realize was really how foolish the Gospel is. Paul goes on here to say something about the Gospel. Because the Gospel is an offense. He said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message. Preach to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen. Everyone say, God has chosen. chosen. I didn't realize that God had chosen the despised. He chose the weak. He chose the outcast. And the reason He's chosen them is because they know that they don't have anything else left to help them save themselves. I didn't have that knowledge yet. Ray was still in control of Ray. Ray was still doing quite good, he thought. I haven't done those things. I haven't been like them. I haven't gone where they have gone. Thank God, God has a good man in the house. I didn't say it like that but my thinking was demonic because it was all about me all about what I had or had not done I was living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil I was living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil did you hear me when you live from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil You base your faith system on what you know and what you think you know based on your own strength and efforts and good works. And I hadn't come to the point or to the place where I needed to see, irregardless of being raised in the church, I did not see and had not seen that I was a wretched, poor, broken sinner no different than any other person. I didn't see it at, at that time. Now, you know, it's amazing. God has a way. God has a way of letting us come to ourselves, just like Peter. Remember when Peter was confronted by Jesus? And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you're a good man, but Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. And by the way, Peter, I've prayed for you. And afterwards, I want you to strengthen your brethren. Basically, Jesus Jesus was prophesying the fact that he would deny him and he would fail. Do you know that God uses failure to bring us to a place where we can truly appreciate his grace? I want to share something to you folks because I, I want you to understand how powerful God's grace is. I, I came into a time in my life where I fell into a very filthy and nasty habit. I had a habit in my life. I had a problem that became an addiction. And that thing was something that I began to hide. I was coming to church. And then I, as that addiction began to grow, I went into hiding. I went under the radar. Because I was living with shame. The Lord began to show me that I was not all that good. That I was not all that put together. And I actually begin. I, I used to sit in the front of the church. <laughs> I slowly moved to the back of the church. Not that anybody that's in the back is backslidden. But, the, the, but, but in my day, I, I, I had a problem sitting near the front. I, I begin as this addiction in my life which began to propagate shame. And I went more and more into hiding because I was under a gospel, even in a local church, where we didn't understand the message of God's grace. We taught the law. We taught that you need to straighten your life up. You need to repent. And you need to understand that repentance is about stopping doing the wrong thing. That's what we taught repentance was. But we were not taught what the true meaning of repentance was. We were not taught The message of grace in such a way that brought us to repentance. How many of you know it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? But first, we need the bad news to appreciate the good news. That's why it's foolishness. Because no one wants to look at themselves. See, the preaching of the Gospel says, you need help. The preaching of the Gospel means you can't do it and make it on your own the preaching of the gospel exposes you for who you are but the beauty of the blood of Jesus he clothes you with his righteousness see Easter Easter is all about bringing dead things back to life I was coming to church I was a religious young man growing up in a church that had had sin in my life i begin to recognize that as i was growing up that the power of the holy spirit and the power of the word really did not have any root in my life i was a pretender i had pretended to believe that i was a christian i sang the songs i even moved in the gifts Do you know that the gifts and the callings are given without repentance? Do you know that God will even use you to preach and to teach and lead others to Christ, but you yourself could still go to hell? Let me say that again. Do you know that God can use your gift to lead others to Christ while you still go to hell because you are not walking and talking and living the life? That's right. Now, I'm not saying this to put any condemnation. What I'm saying this this morning is God wants to bring the reality of resurrection life to us and what that means today. He wants to bring the reality of what it means to be a believer. He wants us to understand that sin shall not have dominion over you. When He called us into His great light, He called us out of darkness. But coming out of darkness means that we come to understand the beauty of what the cross is all about. Now, I want you to jump over with me into Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, because this is what we need to understand. Luke 23. I'm sorry, Luke 24. Pray you follow with me just a few minutes this morning. I know we're all going to go have our Easter dinner and families and But I believe God is going to bring an impartation of grace this morning. He's going to bring change into people's lives. First of all, God's going to break some religious spirits. God's going to break some people this morning who've been living in a lie, and He's going to bring you to a place where there's not only mercy, but He's going to give you power to become what you couldn't be in your own strength. Amen. Do you know that we serve a God who raises the dead? Amen. He's not in the grave anymore. He's come to give us the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says. Luke 24, verse 44. And he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. This is post-resurrection. Jesus said, These are the things spoken were fulfilled by the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. I want you to see verse 45. I want you to read this. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scripture. Everyone say open. How many of you know it's not enough to just read the Bible? We need to have the Bible opened up we need to have our comprehension touched by the power of the Holy Spirit there's a lot of people today they know their Bible they go through their Bible in the one year of Bible let's read the Bible for through from the rear and they're so proud of the fact Well, I read the Bible this past year did you get anything out of it no but I read the Bible no God's not interested in you getting into what I call a scriptural marathon to read the Bible If you get stuck on one verse throughout the whole year, you've gained a lot. It's not about a marathon. What God wants you to do is receive that abundant life. Jesus said here, He opened their understanding and their comprehension. Next verse, then He said to them, this is written and thus was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and the remission of sin should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got it. You got it. Amen. How many of you got it this morning? You see, it's not enough to just know it, you got it. You got something. There's something inside of you. Jesus said that the preaching of the gospel involved repentance and the remission of sins. I want to make a test, I want to declare something over you this morning. Not only does sin have no more dominion over you, but you're an overcomer of all sin. You're no longer a sinner. You're sons. Everyone say, I am no longer a sinner. I'm a son. Now, some of you, that's hard to say because you not want my pastor. No, I'm I'm still sinning in my life. No, what you haven't understood is you haven't understood repentance. I want to give you a definition of repentance. And could we bring that up, Judy? You just go ahead and move to that definition what the word definition, we just read those Scriptures. Go to to the definition, please. This is the definition of repentance. To change the way you think about thinking. Repentance is changing the way you think about thinking. In other words, I need to come out of one form or reference of thinking into a new frame of reference and thinking. Let me give you an example. There was a young man came into my office one time and he just got saved, was just born again. He says, Pastor Ray, ever since I got saved, I've been trying so hard to follow Jesus. I've been trying. And, and I've, I read my Bible and I, I just seem to fail all the time. And I said, you know, the problem is, Is you haven't changed the way you think about thinking. How many of you know we need to have our minds renewed? Now, how do I renew my mind? Obviously, with the Word of God, but I need to be transformed in the spirit of my mind from thinking like a sinner and begin to think from a position. Of authority power dominion and approval in God everyone say I'm approved I am blessed blessed. I I am holy I want you to jump over with me to Colossians Colossians chapter 1 because this is all about the spirit of resurrection Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 Notice what it says, "...for it pleased the Father that in Him that all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth..." How many here live on earth? If you're on earth here, He's reconciled things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross, and you, who were once alienated and enemies... In your mind, by wicked works, he has now restored. Everyone say, restored. Restored. In other words, repentance means that I am thinking from a place of true fellowship and restoration and reconciliation. I am no longer broken, I am no longer a victim. I now live, I think, I make decisions from a position of power, not a position of being a survivor or a position of being a victim. Do you know what it means to be more than a conqueror? It means to be unoffendable. You can't be offended. Everyone say unoffendable. I can't be offended. You can't be offended no matter what you walk through no matter what happens in your life you can't be offended because he has raised you into a place of dominion and power he has seated us with him at the right hand of the Father now that is what resurrection life is all about resurrection life isn't just saying well praise God it's Easter Sunday amen now let me tell you what resurrection life is. This, this, just went, this just happened with me just within two months. I grew up in a home where love was not expressed verbally. My dad and mom never told me. Well, my mother did. I need to say my mother did. But my father has never told me he loved me. My dad was not verbally it. I grew up for the most part, in an angry home. I grew up in a home where people went to church, but God and the Lord was not necessarily the center in that house. In my home, where where I grew up with my brother. My dad was the son of an evangelist. And my grandfather, one of the saddest things And my grandfather, my grandfather got saved. He was in a dance hall one night. He was dancing with my grandmother. And they were dancing. And the Holy Spirit literally came right into that club and said, get out of this place. Grandpa went out into the parking lot. The Holy Spirit was on him so much. And he gave his heart to the Lord in the parking lot. He comes back in and says, Grandma, let's get out of this place. God wants us to be separated from the works of darkness. And we need to give our lives to the kingdom." That's how my grandfather was saved. But my grandfather, though he was saved, he never ever surrendered or submitted under authority under a local church. He never recognized the importance of what pastors and shepherds were all about. He, didn't, he was never a disciple. So my grandfather was one of those guys that got saved and just tried it on his own. Well, there was problems because he never had the balance of checks and balances with other leaders as the Bible clearly teaches that we need to have in our life. Pastors and leaders to help us and nurture us and mentor us. My grandfather. So my grandfather grew up not really understanding. So his leadership and his environment, his influence on my, my aunt and my father was not good. My aunt never did become a Christian. My dad was a weak Christian, but he had had issues about Christianity because of what he saw with his father. Well, that was passed down to me. How many of you know that generations affect generations? And so I was not raised in an environment where Christianity was necessarily a positive move. So I began to question, well, I wonder if God is really real. Because I didn't see a lot of love flowing in the home. I saw a little perversion. I, I, I saw leadership that was being used in an abusive way. There was no real submission in leadership. There was no resolve when there was problems. There was no one ever. I never ever heard a father come and say, I am wrong, son. I've led some things wrong, and I need to take ownership for the way I led this house. I never heard my dad do that never heard my mom do it it was just my rights i'm right you're right so i grew up thinking wow this is what christianity is so when easter would come around the power of god and the relationship with jesus really wasn't all that exciting to me because i didn't see the power of the love of god from the kingdom of god operating in my house it wasn't until I got into my house and I begin to get married when I grew up and I begin to see some problems the Holy Spirit begin to convict me and I remember growing up with bitterness against my dad and my mother and as I begin to study within the past two months on the subject of honor I begin to read clear back in the book of Exodus where God said to children children honor your father and mother so will it be good for you for the rest of your life and you'll have long days God didn't say honor them because they deserve it he said just honor them because I said to do it and I said Lord I will tell you my dad hasn't hugged me he hasn't called me he doesn't even let me doesn't send me birthday cards doesn't even call me when on Christmas My my dad has never done that. And I got angry about it. You know, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you know, Ray, you are now in the kingdom of God. And you do not have to wait for your Father to call you. You do not have to wait because you are now in a place where I have made you whole. And the Lord began to speak to me about taking the leadership, even in our family. I called my mother and father about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago actually, and I asked my parents to forgive me for the bitterness that I had against them because of the lack of leadership and uh, what I felt was the lack of love in our own home. I asked... And we were sobbing on the phone. They live in Portland. I live here. And they were crying, and I was crying. And and my mother said, Ray, we didn't have the revelation. We didn't have the knowledge ourselves of God's grace. We were living to defend ourselves. We were living because we were protecting ourselves because of fear. The spirit of fear ruled in our home." And when fear rules over you, all you think about is yourself. But when love comes in, it sets you free from fear. I was able to tell my dad on the phone, I said, Dad, I love you. I told my mom, I love you. Folks, that's resurrection power. Resurrection power means... That you can rise up even in the most difficult, in the most wretched, even in the most unloving situation, and God can restore broken relationships. And I'm I'm not kidding you. I told my dad, I said, Dad, I love you. And I asked him to forgive me for the anger I had against him. And he said, Ray, I'm sorry that I did not be the dad that you needed he says i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry he just cried and cried and i said dad it's okay but i said listen let's let's begin to honor each other amen and you know what this is this is within two weeks you know i kind of feel ashamed about it in one sense because i'm pastoring a church i'm talking to you folks and I hadn't even been walking in the power in the spirit of resurrection myself when the Bible says he's reconciled and he's lifted us into heavenly places those heavenly places weren't to give us goosebumps heavenly places were not just so we can fill the anointing no heavenly places was to give you power to become what you could not do and could not be in your own strength for you to take the lead in the home some of you are in situations where you feel that the environment is so toxic. There's no love. There's no righteousness. And yet, there's a desire in you to see God's kingdom come into your home. God is speaking right now by His Spirit to you to say, I'm raising you up to be a light in that dark place. And as you begin to shine the love and you begin to convey faith and you begin to convey honor to those who you may not think deserve it, God will honor you he will honor you this is what resurrection life. do you know the main problem in America right now you know what our problems are is in our homes It's our marriages are we have parents that are just kind of going through some really difficult times with their kids marriages having tough times how does God's glory come into that situation by you Tapping into what he has put inside of you. My Bible says here, and I, I just uh, let, let's jump over to this last scripture, and I'm done. My time is done. I want you to jump over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, last, last scripture, verse 14. I'm going to start with verse 13. 2 Corinthians 5. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels. Everyone say, compels. Yes. The resurrection life today is about God's love compelling you. He wants to compel us this morning because we judge this way that if one died for all, then all died. Everyone say, I'm dead. You're dead. That means you no longer are going to respond in a negative way. It means you're dead to what the devil can do against you. You are no longer a victim. You are dead to those things. If one died, then all died. And He died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for Him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on. Everyone say, from now on. He's trying to let us know there's a time for From now on. From now on. I'm dead, but now I no longer live for myself, but for Him. From now on. There's times where I as a pastor, I as a husband in my home, I tell my wife, I hold up my wife and I say, Carol, from now on, from now on, we will not allow anger. We will not allow a negative, toxic environment in our home. From now on, we're going to take the lead in our home. We're going to learn to forgive. We're going to learn to walk in love. We're going to learn to empower each other with honor. That's resurrection life. From now on, I see you in the greatest light. I see you as a mighty man and a mighty woman of God. That's resurrection power. It refuses, it refuses to allow the enemy in your thought life to see and to reduce yourself and to reduce the relationship to a place where you become combative. You have taken a place of authority and power and honor where you recognize God's best on them, God's best in them, and God working his best, and all things working together for his good. It's a mindset. Repentance is changing the way I think about thinking. I refuse to allow my mind to become a slave to depression. I will not be depressed. Whatsoever things are pure, just holy, true, if there be any praise, my mind is set on those things. Pastor Ray, you're sure passionate about this, aren't you? You bet I am. The resurrection power was not intended to just be some kind of a little Easter story on a Sunday morning. God intended for you to be leaders, He intended for you to take the lead. He intended for you to shine because there's glory inside of you. He intended for you to understand that you're to take the initiative. You have the power to change nations. You have the power to come into an environment and empower others with vision and with promise. You're never going to be the same. You're not going to live your life living looking in the rearview mirror from now. Some of you need to stop look, looking in the rearview mirror. You need to start getting your vision set on the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Paul here goes on to say, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. <laughs> Guess what? I'm no more an addict. Guess what? I'm no more a man of bitterness. Guess what? No more. I'm no, more, I'm no longer a bad father. I'm a mighty man of God and I'm a good father. Oh, pastor, that's arrogance. You call it whatever you want. My Bible says that he calls me a mighty man of God, and I'm going to believe what he says rather than what the devil says. My Bible says I'm more than a conqueror. My Bible says I'm blessed. My Bible says I'm chosen. My Bible says that he's called me before the foundations of the world. I have chosen to believe, and when I begin to set my mind and my heart and I begin to believe what he says about me, guess what? I start changing into that. I am not going to go back and say, well, I need to just rehearse today that I, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict, and praise God I've been 444 days in recovery and I, I'm a survivor. That is not victory. That's a guy who's clinging by his teeth, holding on by his bare knuckles, he's trying to hang on. See, I've got to change the way I think about thinking. I need to begin to think like a winner. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him no longer. Therefore, by the way, that's that's why I don't get so excited about where the tomb is and the uh, you know people try to find pieces uh, uh, of where Jesus is and where He was and the so many things it just paul says we're not to be pursuing those things even though we have known christ according to the flesh yet now we know him no longer therefore if any man is in christ he's a new creation all things have passed away all things have become new now all things are of god i won't say everyone say all things are of god Does that mean, Pastor, are saying the abuse that I've suffered? Was that from God? No, that's not from God. But you know, God can take even what you went through, what the devil meant for evil. God can take it. Turn it around. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to these two verses and then we're done. And has given us the ministry of restoration and reconciliation. There is no reason why people cannot walk together in love. There is no biblical substantial reason why people should ever be separated. There is nothing that substantiates dividing ourselves from each other. The Bible says God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That means that we are walking in love and we see the best in each other. That means that I refuse to allow thoughts or vain imaginations in my mind that would come that would bring separation between me and my wife, between me and my kids, between me and anyone in the church. I choose to believe as God sees you, and He sees you as royalty, He sees you as kings, He sees you as priests, and He sees you even high and lifted up, seated with Him at the right hand of God. Now, for some of you right now, you say, oh, Pastor Ray, this is just too far-fetched of preaching. I want you to preach hard on sin and let us know that we're sinners than we need to just really get angry about sin. And you're just not preaching hard enough, Pastor Ray. You're making it too simple. That's why it's called foolishness. The Apostle Paul had to say in Romans 6.1, He said, shall we continue in sin? The message of grace sounded so good that he said he had to make sure that shall we continue in sin? God forbid. He had to let them know that the the message of grace is so powerful and so compelling that it almost sounds like it is accepting of sin. But it's not. In fact, because of grace. It's the thing that really purifies us. It compels us. I don't know about you folks, but I have found that faith really works by love. It does not work by law. And so when he says here that God was in Christ, reconciled to the world, to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In other words, God's reconciled to you. Now it's time for us to draw near to Him. And what He's done, he, He didn't just show pity on you. He's restored you, and He's clothed you with righteousness. He's empowered you with the Holy Spirit, and He's put gifts in you to use you as an ambassador of a kingdom. For he, made, for he made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Can you say amen? You know one thing? The Lord showed me this. That as I begin to live In an environment of honor, because he has honored me. Do you know God comes to honor even sinners? He honors them by letting them know how valuable they are, how precious they are. The Bible says that sinners came and ate with him, and they were comfortable with Jesus. I guarantee you, they were slobbering, they had alcohol, they probably had pot, and they might have even been high. But He still put His arms around them. And it was through the power of that love that transformed that dark heart into a heart that would lay down their lives for Him. That's what grace does. I'm here to tell you this morning, folks, He's alive. And until you have received Jesus as Lord and you received His grace, And until you come to open your heart to embrace what he's done let me tell you it's not so much the lord coming to tell you that he's forgiven and washed your sins but it's you actually learning to receive that grace in a way where you forgive yourself some of you have not forgiven yourself some of you hold yourself hostage to sin and this morning the holy spirit wants to break that and bring you to a new level a renewed level Of being washed and cleansed and purified. You are holy this morning because He is holy. You're not holy because you're trying. I want to just give you a word stop trying, start being. Be holy. Don't try it anymore, just do it. You know why you can do it? Because you are. You are holy. Amen. Just think of just just think of that thought. Your citizenship is in heaven and you're holy right now. If you would die right now, you'd go right into the very presence of God. Now that's if you have repented. That means you've changed the way you think. That doesn't mean that you're going to stop doing bad things and try harder. That's not repentance. Repentance is fully completely embracing what Jesus has done at the cross for you completely embracing that change and sanctification and embracing the atonement and the forgiveness of sin where you walk into that place clothed with his righteousness clothed with his power clothed with his glory and you are no longer slaves but sons and daughters I'm a son I'm a daughter of the King I'm not trying to get there I'm there everyone say I'm there say it again I'm there you know what? The devil hates people who knows, know that they're there because he can't stop you. But if you think that you're under the radar, well, you pastor, you just don't know those secret little deep dark sins I have. I don't need to know about it. He already knows about it. He's already washed your sins. You have to just come to surrender your will and say, Lord, be Lord to me. Be my Lord. Just bow your heads. Bow your heads this morning. I feel the Lord wants to not only bring an impartation of divine life this morning, but I believe the Lord wants to set people free. Maybe this morning you may say, Pastor, I've been held hostage to things that I know is not of God, and I know the Lord wants me to walk in a newness of life. The Bible says when when a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Maybe this morning you may say, Pastor, I'm not walking in that freedom. I'm in bondage. I'm in darkness. I need Jesus. I want you to raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you. Okay? I see that hand. Any others? I'm not walking in the light as He is in the light. Anyone else? I need Jesus. Okay? I see that hand i to